I'm kind of half thinking about like, you know what? I'm just happy what I'm doing now. Because if you go back, I'm going to have to go back. I know, yeah. <laughs> Man, but just going out to Kuna on a Thursday evening, like in November, I'm like, oh, I'll be standing doing freezing. I know. Do you know, yeah. getting knocked over by 120 kg fellas. Yeah. like, oh, just slap. Yeah, you're not ready yet. I'm just not. Nah. I might go play a bit of Invitational Sevens in the sun or something. Yeah. yeah. Get you involved in that. Yeah, there you go, lads. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Joe presents House of Rugby. United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby URC. We've got another huge show for you this week, guys, with the knockout stages of the championship taking place. We've also got the band back together. <laughs> Lindsay Pete, Greg O'Shea are here. Lindsay, how are you on your holidays? I'm good, great time. Yeah. I've just come out of my flight simulator <laughs> this week's show, so uh, no, great time, great to have a bit of sun and, you know, go somewhere new after two years. Excellent, excellent. Greg, you were uh, over at the London Sevens last week? I was at London Sevens, yeah. I was working there and the lads did unbelievable. They're having some season. So it's good to be in and around again on the other side of the line this time, which is kind of weird for me, but it's good to be there. Good did stuff, miss good it? stuff. I did miss it, yeah, yeah, I did. But that's like the top 1%, they're the best days. Yeah. I'm not willing to do like driving out to Blanchetown for training every, every <laughs> morning. <laughs> I'm done. Well, we've also got a special guest in studio this week, uh, former Munster ringer Ronan O'Mahony. Ronan, how are you keeping? All good now, thanks for having me. Great stuff, great stuff. Yeah. We're going to start off obviously straight away and get dive straight into, I don't know, we call it a game the weekend. We've got three Limit men in studio here who are going to be uh, dissecting it while Lindsay laughs at uh, Munster's Poor performance, shall we call it, against Ulster at the weekend. I called it with Darren last week, lads. I've been saying it for weeks. I didn't think Munster were going to do it, but I didn't think it was going to end in this fashion. 36-17 win to Ulster. You didn't think Munster would win? No, I know. I didn't back him at all. But sure, a couple of weeks ago, they went up there and won. <sighs> yeah, but we said off the back of that, that was probably going in dangerous territory because Ulster actually hadn't been beaten, really, too many times up in Ravenhill. And then, well, as a player, you know, when you're going up there, having won it's easier for Ulster to have gotten there. Do you think? I thought well, so. Underdog, like. Well, I called it like a couple of weeks ago, that was the danger part that, you know, it, it lingers, that they're the, one of the few teams that would have beaten them. So I think yeah. they were dangerous going in. Ronan, you were up at the game, you were doing a bit of commentary at the game. What do you make of it, like, from, from an yeah. eagle eye point of view? I don't know, I got stung uh, on the show <laughs> when Munster shipped their worst performance of the season. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was up there, look, it wasn't it wasn't great viewing. Um, even from the outset, Ulster looked like they had more emotional energy around the whole game. Munster looked a bit flat. As you said, it's an, it's an incredibly hard place to go and play. <clears throat> I've been up there two or three times myself as a player, and it's it's a real hostile environment. You know, the crowd really get on your back. It's a it's a really tough place to go and win. And uh, you know, in fairness, Ulster, I thought they were savage. They played really well. I thought they had great cohesion amongst the backline, amongst the forwards. Uh, Stuart McCluskey, Balakun was phenomenal, and um, Stuart Moore at full back. I thought, yeah, I thought they were really good. And why, why do you think Munster were so out of sorts? Like, they just didn't, didn't seem to turn up at all mentally. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. That happens in professional sports. Some days, uh, you know, when, when a couple of people aren't firing and things don't go right, even from the first kickoff, I think it was Pete, knocked on the ball and it kind of... Set the tone. Set the tone, had a bit of a spiral effect and I could see him, I could see they were desperately trying to claw their way back into the game and, and trying to get something and it was just another penalty and another penalty and compounding errors, simple handling errors and unfortunately it just, uh, you know, yourself in a game like that, it just snowballs and you find yourself... Mm. Uh, I think yeah. you had a ridiculous stat, Jason, with the handling. Yeah, I was looking at the game, so the game wasn't over at that stage, I can remember talking to one of the lads and looking up some stats and at the time there wasn't much left in the game and once they were throwing 99 passes and they'd knocked on 11 of them. So, I mean... <laughs> it's every between one that in and when Gavin Coombs got such a great block down on Cooney 
And then he, he couldn't ground it. I was like, you know what? It's actually, he loved yeah. that mercy rule where you're like, we just need to go home That's now. It, it's yeah. just not going to work. they needed but... that, like they needed that moment just to try yeah. to get back into the game. Yeah. Mm. So he could claw something back. And uh, look, that's the way the game was going. They weren't getting anything. Oh, listen, absolutely. But do you think, like, obviously they had such an immense game against Toulouse a couple of weeks ago. Do you think they're just zapped of energy from that, like a colossal, and like Peter Mann, he stood out that day, but... Are Munster in that transition where they have such a historic, experienced old guard, but they haven't yet blooded the new players to come up and take that responsibility? Yeah. Because it's hard. Like rugby is not a game you can force. Like you said, when you try and force it, then you're having knock on just penalties. You know, you, you can't do it. You have to let the game come to you. And when it's not coming to you, you know where do you go? I know. Yeah. I suppose it was a combination of a number of factors. The fact, obviously, a lot of the coaching staff are moving on. You know, like who, who what coaches actually getting the players up for that match? Yeah. Um, like you'd know, you weren't most for years, Ron. It was a weird being listening to the lads in the dressing room when Van Grand comes in and tells them what he wants them to do. But they're, they would they subconsciously be like, "Sure, he's leaving." Like you can't really buy into what yeah, he's saying. There is, there definitely is a bit of that. You know, I've had, like when I was in. My time once where I've had five different head coaches and there is a five in the a, years there is a transition Jeez. period, yeah. Yeah, was it ten years? Five yeah, so years. during my academy year and then when I went in through my contract years, there was That's five nuts. from uh, Dick and Kidney to Tony McGann, Brad Penny, Axel, Rassi, Johan. Oh, so, oh my god. Uh, there's a lot of transition and when it comes towards the end of the season it does get as you said, like coaches moving on. Um, they're after a massive game against Toulouse, they're knocked out of Europe. That's like the baby for Munster, you know, we want to win. European uh, rugby and yeah. we want to be competitive in the league as well and and, and try to get something out of that but um, yeah they just looked a bit deflated they looked a bit yeah. flat and they looked low on energy and then on the other side Ulster looked like they were humming when they came out of the tunnel yeah. they just looked like they had loads of energy a lot of young fellas very eager to play rugby and uh, yeah yeah, that's what I found mad because from my years in Munster and you being there the amount of time that was spent on like defensive moves and who's going to take what when and Ulster caught open the boys two or three times off first phase, which is so uncharacteristic. Like the likes of Chris Farrell, Conway, Delande, and they're just getting opened up. Like, Yeah, and like their defence has been pretty good all yeah. season. Um, it's probably the main strength of their game was their defence all year. But you look, Delande was kind of out there for a couple of weeks, injured. Conway was only back in after a yeah. couple of weeks out injured. And uh, they only had two backs on the bench. So, so then when Conway went off, they had to bring Ben Healy on. Yeah. It was probably a bit of an oversight. I would have put a third back just given the yeah. make up of the back line. Um, you bring one player on and you have to move Carby full back, you have to move Mike Haley onto the wing and it just changes everything from, from how you would have been training during that week, you know. Yeah, I was actually with Joey Carby yesterday and I was chatting to him and I was like, what's going on, man? Like, and he's, he said, we're just ready to close the chapter on this season and they just mm. all want to get the next season and start fresh. Like, so I think they're just exhausted from it, just all the moving around the coaches. And, but they've done all right. They got two quarterfinals, URC and European Cup, which isn't mm. the worst. Yeah. Obviously not great being a Munster man. Like, yeah. When yeah. You should be fighting we're, for the title. But. We're probably being a little bit harsh on Ulster. Like, I thought they were good. Like, they took mm. the ball yeah, right on the game that, yeah. line. Like, Hume was ridiculous. Like, his little pop pass, he had such a split second to get that off. Balancoon mm. ran. Like, they always had a man running. They always took to the game line. They were always asking Munster questions. And for me, Ian Henderson was... He, I actually didn't realise he was so quick. He, You know, he ran back on, a like, a kick chase. And I was like, Jesus, you're moving. And just the work rate mm. of him. And they were just so cohesive and together. And, 
Yeah, months of report, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to take the knife in this week, I feel no, like you're, you're, right, you're right in saying that, like you have to, you can't take credit where credit's due, also we're good, were, like Malakum yeah. was fantastic, that's the best game Ruby I've seen Henderson play in a long time, because mm. Henderson has a very up and down season, and yeah. you're kind of like, that's the Henderson of old, like, and he was yeah. getting in, and he was really aggressive over the ball, and he yeah. was, you could see how pumped up he was for it. And, and Cooney, he had such Cooney a dip before, game. and like, he was lively, he was back to himself, mm. So I think, yeah, I think Ulster Look at the had Look at the try they scored, but the, the fight happening on the right-hand side, like, that kind Hume of... Hume again, yeah, quick tip. you know what I mean, so... Yeah, quick thinking. Things yeah. like that as well as quick thinking, but that's also down to the mentality of Munsters, and, like, you're more you're more inclined and more interested in starting a fight than you are in defend, getting your defensive yeah, mindset, like, exactly. so... exactly, so... It's not a good look. <laughs> it was a terrible look, like, for Munster to, to be distracted by that, like, that would yeah. never really happen. Yeah, Munster actually did it to another team earlier in the season, I think it was Craig Case who scored, um, and it was, yeah, it was very uncharacteristic mm-hmm. from to, to concede like that. Mm. Yeah, um, I think they just met. Like obviously, Munster didn't turn up mentally, and then they just met an Ulster team that were just on fire. On and fire it was yeah. just a bad day to meet Ulster yeah. up there. Yeah. Like, you know, and everything like, went well for them. Everything went well, and like even offset their set piece was unbelievable. Their mall was very good. Um, their couple of strike plays when we see Balakoon up to the middle of the park, like yeah. that's training ground moves that you practice on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, and then you produce. Well, Munster had that opportunity, but just didn't produce on yeah. the day, you know, didn't get their accuracy right, so. It's so rare for it to just be so clean off first phase as well, and they did two or three times, like. I know, so it was yeah, crazy. How yeah. good was Balakun when he did the three efforts in a row? Ah, oh, it was crazy, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. a monster he hit. To go to New Zealand now. Yeah. Yes. Give him a chance. He, he got Joe, he tackled Joe, he, that would have been Troy if he didn't get him, and then he turns it over, and then he makes the break afterwards yeah, as well. Yeah, turns it over the kick, he makes the break, then after set piece, that's like, that's three moments in the game. Massive. Save seven points and you end up scoring seven the other side. Like that's fourteen. That's game swing. changing yeah. swing. Like yeah. Yeah. And James Hume was the centre today, wasn't he? <clears throat> yeah, man of the match. Fantastic game. We keep saying it about him. Like he's, oh, he's he kind of he quieted, he quieted down for a while. Like after playing so well and getting into the Six Nations squad, but yeah. last few weeks now he's really playing well. He's obviously going to go to uh, New Zealand over the summer, especially with the extended squad that's going to go. So would you say he'll go ahead of Chris Farrell? Do you think they'll bring Chris Farrell as well? I think if it comes down to if it comes down to he's only going to bring the four centres, he goes out of Chris Farrell. I think at the moment, even though Chris Farrell has been playing well yeah. and has found form the last few weeks, I think he does. But I don't know, it depends on the size of the squad they bring, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I suppose it depends on what you're looking for against New Zealand as well. Do you want Chris Farrell? Do you want that big physical presence, mm. or do you need James Hume? Or Maybe there's room for both of them. Um, you know, Chris has found great form as well over the last few weeks. But yeah, yeah uh, Hume was phenomenal the weekend. I thought um, his hands were unbelievable. Hands were unbelievable. He was aggressive. He was punching holes. He was picking scoring, lines. Picking lines. Yeah. Mm. See, um, this is the argument for me against say the Southern Hemisphere because obviously Ireland need to to match physically when that happens because that's where they'll target us. But obviously then we have to adapt our game to be more skillful. Mm. And I think James Hume, with over the last couple of weeks and this season, has shown that he can unlock that. Like even his showing going his break and yeah. the quick pass to Balakoon. So I think we need we need ball players. The other side of the coin for me is, you as know as players, if you're confident and you're playing well for Munster and you're not getting an Irish call-up, you're like, like what else do I have yeah. to do here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you kind of, for me, mentally, like we talk a lot of it at elite level is you know, man managing, you know, and, and with Razzie gone, like a lot of the mental side of the Munster players are gone. But for me, if James Hewan or Balakoon don't get the opportunity in Northern Jersey, I yeah. think to go away, you're going to lose them lads and the confidence they've built yeah. in a good season. And I think they're the key decisions for the development of the squad, which yeah. I'd risk right now for the World Cup going forward because I yeah. think we just need I wouldn't to... be overlooking uh, Stuart McCluskey either. No, I think he's in another <sighs> he's great season. So serious form at the moment. You could just, you could just see that. Uh, the whole Munster midfield were sitting down with McCluskey because he's such an attacking threat with ball in hand but then he's such subtleties in his game he's handling ability mm. you know they're into the same play two or three times you just don't know whether he's going to carry and then last minute he's pulling the back door and yeah. un- un- unlocking the likes of Balakoon and uh, and more on the outside channels so yeah. 
you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's up for grabs a lot of central spots well, there. Yeah. Yeah. And if he brings mm. up his squad, special mention, I think, is what we have to give a special mention because I know we're saying how bad months were, but Keith Earls, I mean, he signed a contract during the week and as per usual, I remember I said on the show a few weeks ago, I was like, I'm sick and tired of people underrating Keith Earls and writing them off. He gets a new contract straight away. I remember putting stuff up in Rugby Lads and stuff up in Rugby Joe and it's just, ah, he's getting jobs to the boys. He shouldn't be getting the contract. No he's finished. He's back. Everyone, yeah. he just, everyone seems to write off Keith Earls. Comes out then, world-class finish for that first mm. try. Absolutely, there's very few wingers in the world that can finish the way he finished that with that try, I think. And another second try then as well. Like, and you know, everyone, every bloody week, it's like he'd already finished, like, but he just shut up, like, and just watching. Yeah, like, you know well, what he's mean? nearly 35, like, I think he's 35 in 35. a few months' time, yeah. So he's he just signed another yeah. Irish central contract. That's I was actually surprised to see the RFU give him another central contract. I thought Munster might have signed him again, like, but the RFU to back him for another year. They obviously I want him for the World I Cup. I think like, he's Munster's yeah. best winger, like, yeah. and I know he's class. Like, if you've got a fit Keith Earls there at the World Cup. You're bringing him. Yeah. You're bringing yeah. him. I think. Well, what do you bring to a squad? Like, you're winning like, for years. If you were to do, if you were to write out the job description of a winger, like first and foremost, the score tries. You know, that's and when I was playing as well, like I knew that was my main yeah. job was to put five points on the board for the team. You're like a striker. Um, you're like a striker, and, yeah. Yeah, Norsey does that, and he does it. Pulls a rabbit out of a hat, as we've seen there against Ulster. Gives Munster a glimmer of hope. Can they get back into it? Um, what's he give to like an overall squad? Or is he? He's mm. he's defensive. Um, his defensive mind is incredible. You know, he he reads the game so well. He's he's uh, he he's a, he's like an extra coach within the team. Yeah. Um. During the week, you know, in meetings, he's he's leading the defence as such within the Munster team. Um. Joe, you know, he's he's been through the rigors like through loads of different squads, and he's just a phenomenal player, teammate, and the defensive qualities he brings. And then we talked about his finishing ability. You know, he's an he, is he 34 years old, and he can still. Finish. Um, he mightn't have his out no pace he had when he was a younger player, but um, you know he's got two two tries a weekend. So I think when Munster played Ulster a few weeks ago in the Kingspan, he got in for one as well. And yeah. Yeah. I walk him, but look, they all count. And yeah. he, himself and Zeebs are still up there. Munster top try scores, and mm. exactly. he's consistent. And think consistency is. Oh yeah, without yeah. doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a big statement by the RFU, I think, to give him a central contract. Mm. You obviously have him in the plans for the World Cup. Like mm. so that's one spot for well, like if he's yeah. fit. It's, it's it's also as I said it's not just how good he still is. Like you see, you hear Ronan talking about him there. We've heard the likes of Darren Cave and stuff talk yeah. about him. Anyone that's played and trained with him, what he brings behind the scenes. You even said it like when you were there, yeah. like how he helped you when you were there younger. Like so, so good that, that, that has its weight as well. Like and that has its value. Yeah. That, yeah. Especially you're going over to a World Cup environment. You're off for a good few weeks. You're in training camps before, and someone like this guy, if you're going to bring a Balakoon in, and you've got even guys like James Lowe, they're not in that Ireland squad that long. Yeah. Someone like Keith Earls is a veteran who's played at the highest level, who is mm. probably the best winger a Munster have ever produced. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> He's up there, you know what I mean? 100%. Do you know what I mean? Like, but as Greg was saying, and what you're saying there, well, like if Balakoon or Jordan Larmer go to World Cup and you have Keaters beside them giving yeah. them little tips and little pointers and he's there, he's like this reassurance that maybe he mightn't get into a starting team, maybe he will, but you know, to have him there around the squad giving his, uh, giving his input and as I said, he's like an extra coach. He's coaching that back three. He's coaching with the 50-22s now. Mm. You know, he's, he's coaching your, your yeah. backfield defence and... Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And it will be huge going to work up because it's different having week to week games and he gets to go home and he has his kids yeah. and his wife and he gets to just disconnect that or, or any player. But in work up, you're actually just in this bubble, this intense bubble. Yeah. So to have an experienced player having the younger just to reset them and give yeah. them that time out was huge. Because, no training matches, no training sessions. Absolutely. Like, and if you're starting and like, and you've got Earls against you, and then he said, you look, come here, look, you're doing that wrong, do that wrong. You're like, Jesus, mm. it's going to make all the difference ahead of the, the pool match the weekend. But um, yeah. we're, we're going to have to touch on on our, our pal, Johan. I know I've 
ripped into him a few times on this show. <laughs> you hate but, him. Man. I don't hate him. He's a you nice do. guy, but I don't, I don't rate him. I've met him loads of times. And what's it like? He's, a nice, he's an absolute gent. He's fake? a really nice man. He's a nice guy. so fake. <laughs> Can we get past that? We get past that, right? Look, okay, speaking after the game, his comments were the result was utterly disappointing. I think that's pretty fitting because that's what his reign has been with Munster from start to finish. And especially, particularly in the last couple of years. Now, you worked under, or you played and worked, we'll say, worked with your profession under Rassi, probably one of the best, if not the best, to ever do it. Um, I'm sure he was phenomenal. And then Johan came in, I know you were injured and whatnot for a, a bit of it, like, but, do you know, can you, what was he like as a coach? Yeah, so I suppose uh, when when Rassi came in, uh, you know, he was, it was an unbelievable environment. He, he, I think he changed Munster for the better. I think we were on the right trajectory. Um, obviously, we, were, we, you know, we went to the whole anthem. He went down to South Africa, won the World Cup with them. <laughs> we, we prefer if he stayed in Munster and uh, won a European Cup. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll come back in time, maybe. Uh, and yeah, Johan came in and it was different. They're completely different. They're chalk and cheese. They're completely different characters. You know, Rassi is the hard, drilled approach, while Johan is the, I suppose, softer uh, you know, getting to know you and uh, a kind of softer approach. And Razzie's very tough love, isn't he? Razzie's tough love, and it's exactly what we needed. Yeah. We needed tough love, and we just needed uh, straight facts. There was no grey area, it was black or white, it was this or that. And uh, with Johan, it just got a little bit, uh, oh, there was just un- uncertainty in what we're doing. What are we doing now in defence? What ways is it going? What you know, and yeah. I suppose your head coach, he, he drives the environment. You know, every, you're, you're in there and you're living it and breathing it every day. and. Mm. You know, if that environment isn't humming, the player is a little bit off, he might be off of 5% and it starts leaking throughout the squad. There's even like Razzie's backroom staff, like Jacques Nienbar, he would be driving defensive sessions as well. Yeah. Or I don't know what Van Grand's backroom staff were like. Yeah, like Jacques, Jacques was incredible. Like, yeah, absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Razzie was pulling the strings and Jacques was the man on the ground, running around, getting it all done. Like, he was phenomenal, yeah. unbelievably. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, JP Ferreira is there, a great fella as well, but probably doesn't have the same pedigree in defend- as a defence coach as, as Jacques would have. Mm. Um, but Munster's defence has been good, but on days like that against Ulster, Jacques would be there on the sideline pretending to be the physio, yeah. with his physio bag walking <laughs> up and down. Um, Still doing yeah, it. Yeah, shouting on, telling you exactly what calls Ulster are going to play, or what, what moves they're going to run, what players to watch, tell you watch the winger, this is what they're going to do. Unbelievable. And he'd be running on, pretending he's giving you a spray and telling you you need to do this, that and the other. And, uh, <laughs> it's genius. Isn't like. it, yeah. It's that's, ge- that's yeah. And it was just, that was just so good. And I remember at the time our defence was absolutely humming, like with, under Jacques. And um, yeah, it's just a little bit different uh, with JP and he has a different approach, which doesn't mean it's bad or worse, but I think the defence has gone slightly backwards. I think our attack, since Larkham's came in, has definitely gone backwards um, from where it was so yeah yeah. and a welcome addition seeing Prendy and uh, Leamy coming into the coach yeah, yeah. That's, that's, it. that's a big thing I think like as you were saying kind of like with Razzie like needed a bit of tough love I'm sure Prendy and Leamy especially Leamy will give him a bit of tough love but also a lot of what people have been saying the last while and the last couple of years is that Van Grand doesn't seem to understand or appreciate what Munster rugby means to Limerick and Cork and the rest of the, mm. the counties and what it means down there and what Tom Park means and what Europe means Someone like Liam and Prendy, who are they're proper men from Munster that know what the score is. Like, do you think that's that's what Munster needs at the moment? Like, get Munster men back in there to sort shit out. Without, essentially, without, <laughs> you definitely need a Munster man in the coach and take it without yeah. doubt. You you need them around just because they know the AIL structures. Because you have players cropping over, you have players going back playing that. Um, they know the school system. They know lads coming out of school. They just know how it runs and they know the the culture. I suppose of you know it's very hard for Johan van Grant to come into Munster and understand the culture and all that straight away and. He, of course, uh, yeah. he just he just didn't really get it, you know. It's like, no, this is what we're doing, or this this is the way it goes, and 
he just struggled with that. I felt a little. Um, yeah, he, like the Munster lads understand the system that you came through, like the school system, yeah. the twenties, nineteens, where lads are coming from. Even probably know some of their families. Like it just builds that culture. Yeah. So I think those lads coming in might you know, spark the Munster performances well, the, again. Do you think they will? Munster DNA. We yeah. said this a couple of weeks ago. We just felt that, like you know, like Axel and Leamy and everyone who were during that successful period, and mm. some of the younger like the Craig Casey's and the Ken Dallins coming in, like you can see that in them, but we mm. need more of it because there's no point in having these big names who don't understand the heritage and Where the they DNA. Came from, like, yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. And I think one thing probably Leinster are doing well, and we've seen that with Joe McCarthy, which we'll go in in our next couple of sections, is the school systems in Leinster are just a bit duction <laughs> like, yeah. like what's happening in Munster. They've got a lot more, I don't know, that's the thing. Like, oh, listen, they absolutely, yeah, and I'm an Northsider, so I'm not mm. in any of the schools, like, but they are like a mini yeah. academy feeding into a bigger yeah. They've got a lot of private schools in as well, like where we don't absolutely. have that so much in Limerick, like in a lot of our, yeah. like, but, like such Crescent Comp and Art School and Munchens where a lot of players are coming from, and there, is only, there isn't that many yeah. private schools that they can literally uh, farm rugby players. Mm. No, they can't. It, like, the thing with Leinster is that I think about 95% of the squad is from Dublin, like, or something yeah. crazy like that. Yeah. Like, you know, they're all homegrown lads. Mm-hmm. You've Leo Cullen there, who obviously knows where they've came from. Like, so it obviously works. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's going to work for Munster next year? It, it, no, it's going to it's going to be a, there's going to be a big fix, I suppose. When we talk about the academy and the underage. There's going to be there's a massive fix going to have to happen there, especially yeah. in the school system. You know, the Leinster lads are coming out, and they're playing they, they're playing international rugby within two years. While the Munster lads are going to school <laughs> and learning how to do weights, you know, properly. Yeah. That's the kind of difference. You know, you want your yeah. your your fourth, fifth, and sixth year in school. You want to be coming yeah. out fully conditioned and ready to go into professional rugby while that's only happening in Munster when they're coming out yeah. of school. Yeah. So it takes two yeah. to three years for that even SSC to yeah. kick in. As yeah. you said, like the John McCarthy, he came out of school and he's unbelievable. Listen, like, he's stuck, like, you don't even have the facilities. Like, in a, lot of the, a lot of the schools in Mac wouldn't even have... Like, I remember, like, even when, like, when I was in school, like, Art School Gym was, like, was just, like, a little shed now. I know they've got a new yeah. school now, like, but... Yeah, a lot right, of... Right. The camp, Castroy, no, yeah, Castroy, yeah. like, Castroy, are, are their gym facilities, are they great, like... Same yeah, they, they all need investment. Like, yes, and, say, and again, if you're a private school, it's, it's, it might be easier to get investments somewhere or wherever. But uh, public schools, it's just it mightn't be as it might. Joe, it's just not there. It's not, no. But what yeah. might work for yeah. you guys is considering the like geographic, and it's a lot bigger. Uh, is like a bit like the GAA, so centres of excellence that are run by Munster. So like they're close. They're like a little hub. Yeah, we used to use UL. That's what we used to use. Absolutely. So the yeah. the skills that you know you press an S and C, like whoever's handpicked from the skills are, are in there, and at least get some batch of players mm. like already yeah. ahead of them because. Yeah, they've tried to do it all the year, all the way along. Like coming up through Munster, they've tried like the tips, like we like under 16s going in in the morning training in yeah. UL and stuff. Yeah. But I think they need to get more funding to the schools because obviously. Three different schools from Limerick here, three big schools, and like all our gyms are like sheds in the side of the school. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not going to do the trick. Yeah. Go up against like a Michaels or a Clongos or Terranure. Professional academies nearly like. Yeah, you'll get an outlier, you'll get an Alex Condellan, like who will come out and be able to go straight in within 18 months to two years, but. Um, if you want a proper crack off it, yeah, you need to you need to upgrade Invest the school schools. systems definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll get any credit when Munster becomes successful for revamping it? <laughs> look, look, it's... moving on, moving on. We'll move on yeah. to we'll there was, we'll there was another on. quarterfinal on the weekend. Uh, how did the Leinster get on alright? <laughs> yeah, well, well, obviously we had heartbreak last week, and they had to get back to business, and they did so in style against Cricket a score. very poor <laughs> Glasgow team, where they. Put twelve tries on them, and how are you scoring seventy six points in a quarter final? Like, <laughs> cup rugby, like I saw it, and I actually laughed. I was like, the Glasgow even turn up, like they weren't playing the second half anyway. Like honestly, yeah. Yeah, some of the tries that went in at the end, the Glasgowers were just like, all right. Genuinely gave up. <laughs> Didn't I've never seen back. a team 
give up in a game of rugby. I was like, I can see, as you said, a cricket score, 76 points. It's nuts, I guess. Like, like and Leinster didn't have a, like, a bulk of starters like, and a yeah. notable lads on the bench. But, like, no didn't sex, I... didn't no low, no Keenan. No. <laughs> Kelleher uh, was injured. Kelleher's injured. They like. didn't really get out of fourth gear. Um, third gear, I'd say. Yeah, third gear. They really, really didn't. Really like when when Farley got that intercept, I was just like, oh, I'm actually embarrassed. Like I'm a Lancer fan, true and true, but I was actually, I was shamefully embarrassed at Glasgow. I was like, you are shameful. Yeah, like, I could have got my mother's Lincer, friends to show up. They would have ran yeah. back for that. Lancer are in a spot now where they could probably compete with two different squads in the URC. Yeah. Man, and, uh, definitely. Make quarterfinals. They're both in the final then, Leinster A versus Leinster B. Like, <laughs> honestly. That's actually not funny. That Genuinely, I think I so. Like, look yeah. at Larmer. He didn't go to La Rochelle last week. Or yeah. he might have been travelling reserve or something. He didn't play. And he was the best player on the pitch there. Yeah. He was incredible. Riding around. Might have missed the beat by not bringing him last week. Because Lowe Low wasn't mm-hmm. fully fit. Larmer had that game against Munster. And now we've seen him in that game there. They really struggled to break down Larry Shell. Mm-hmm. There could have been a, a bit of an oversight there. Maybe yeah. he should have travelled to, to. What a time for him to start stepping up, like with the New Zealand tour coming. Yeah. He has to go. Like, well, Bal- will they bring him and Balakun? On form, you'd, you'd expect it. Like, you're, you're saying, the you two of them coming off the wing, yeah. like absolutely trying to cut through defences. You know, in that open mm. play, I was like, yeah. yeah. But you're saying these guys need to be rewarded for playing well. Like, hundred percent. Max, he can play full back, helps as well. So yeah. when you're travelling, yes. And you know what? He's developed the kind of um, more mental side of his. Game. Like I thought, he you know his draw and give was better. He had a try save and tackle, and you know what I loved? A couple of things when he started, he got a lot of turnovers because he just used to flop. And now you can see his leg drive and his power. And I'm like, yes, boy, we're starting to work on areas you weren't doing so well. And I think, yeah, I think he needs to be rewarded. He was electric. Yeah. He, yeah, he was, everything yeah. that was good. He got man of the match yesterday. Everything that was good about Leinster, he was involved in. And I think, um, welcome back, Jordan Lemon. Yeah. Ronan, you've you've played against and with a lot of good wingers. Like, have you ever seen a winger with a step as absolutely outrageous as that man? Yeah, he's great. I have, I have. Who? <laughs> Sonati, Sonati. Oh, if you've ever, ever seen Newcastle. him play. My first ever game from Munster. Uh, I was playing, he was playing for Zebra, and it was my second game from Munster. And he's the most outrageous step I've ever seen. He played for Newcastle. Sonati, Sonati. He did really. I've never seen just him retired. inside outside. Oh, did oh you my yeah. God! We previewed him all week because uh, the winger comes off to. After of an attacking scrum, he takes it as first receiver, and uh, it's like, lads, don't get done with his step, just do not get done. And was like, yeah, he's going to do it, and you can see him doing it, and you can see he just did it. Like, How <laughs> is this possible? <laughs> he's Fijian or something, isn't he? I think or something I'm like not that. Sure he's Ireland, from, but uh, if you look up YouTube, yeah, he oh. is different, different gravy. Yeah. I remember yeah. clipping a try of him years ago, and it was it was Newcastle, and literally I see that much space down the wing, and in the space of half a second, he goes inside outside inside outside, boom, and you're like. Sorry, I don't even know how your legs can move like that. Like, and yeah. he just kind of just shocks in then like that. Yeah. The winger is like facing the opposite way by the end of it. Like, I don't know what's going on around him. <laughs> yeah. well, that's what Larmer did to the number ten from Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. turned him inside out. Like, yeah. they were on a man, and then he beat him by like two meters. Like, it's insane. I love how he uses it as well. He doesn't just use his feet; he uses his arms as well. So he'll have the ball in his left hand, and he'll jump off the left, and he'll switch it back to his right hand, back to his left as he's moving his feet. All in this one little movement yeah. to yeah. just bamboozle the defence. Like, sh- you don't know where. How do you defend that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Or just does he do that with his ladders and? I was going to say, I wonder, does he work in it or is it natural? Like, it's because your eye is following the ball and trying to follow his feet, and you're yeah. like, oh, I think he was there. late coming because I'm more than sure he went to Andrews, which is a more hockey school. Yeah, so he I'm did. He played for, hockey. He played yeah, hockey. Yeah, I saw that. But I think he's late coming to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he definitely played hockey, 100. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. uh, Jimmy O'Brien as well. I'm a big fan of Jimmy O'Brien. Uh, yes, he looks like a fellow who could play literally from ten. Out, out the way, like 10 centre wing, full back. Obviously, he played the weekend. And yeah, he's played 10 for Leinster a couple of times. Has he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has. Um, I actually, he was impressive last week because I felt that, like, obviously, La Rochelle targeted him out in the wing and he got caught a little bit once, but he 
he's developing week in, week out, uh, Jimmy. Like, he's not only attacking, like, he's smart. He's another good Yeah, yeah, and a big fan of him every time I watch him play. He's so elusive. He's got great footwork. He kind of full package, kind of like you were Keenan in a way, so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're spoiled for choice. Exactly. Saying, all the wingers you're mentioning there, like, I know they're going to bring a big squad down to, to, to New Zealand because they've got the five games, but you're saying there, so you've got, we're talking about Jimmy O'Brien and James Lamour, then you've also got, um, Jordan Lamour, sorry. Then <laughs> you've also got, because I was supposed to say, and James Lowe. Then you've got Mac Hansen, then you've got uh, Conway and Earls down in Munster. There's going to be one or two yeah. big names. You go, Jesus, he's not travelling. He's like, yeah, but look who's the front end. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so it's like... good. I wouldn't like to be Andy Farrell at the moment. Well, I suppose it's a good complaint. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a great complaint. It's good yeah. to have uh, this beret yeah. of talent, as we call it. They'll definitely bring a bigger squad, given the fact they're playing the, the Maori All Blacks, I think, in two games as well. I think they'll definitely bring a bigger squad. Um, they don't usually have midweek games on a summer tour, so... Yeah. You know, five, either five or six games they're playing, they definitely have a, an extended squad anyway, so yeah, they might see a few more lads getting picked. Yeah. Yeah. Looking oh. at the, the match itself, Ed, I mean, um, I know it was a, ended up being 70-something points cricket score, but Richie Gray was kind of lucky enough there in that first half for that stupid challenge on uh, Gibson, Gibson Park. Got a yellow card for it at the end. Like, we were talking about that before. before oh, I there. him a red. Could have been worse, yeah, because he comes in with the shoulder into the chin and it's just reckless, isn't it? Yeah, it's dangerous. Gibson Park made a meal of it now, to be fair to him. He went, oh, like He's this. He's come half, like, what's he supposed yeah. to do? <laughs> but, uh, when fair, it was dangerous, so you can't yeah. do that. You've got to knock that out of the game, like. I do, yeah, I would have punished him just for the fact that I just thought he was petulant and he just got aggro. And I thought, overall, Glasgow's discipline was, it was just poor. Like, they had yeah. two yellow cards, did they not, in the game? Yeah, they just frustrated. And they actually like. could have had a third. Um, oh, I thought it was a deliberate knock-on. They did something, um, and they already had a yellow. And I think that's what saves him, and I was like, you're not going to give a second yellow for a team who haven't even showed up, you know. Yeah. So I just thought overall, yeah, I just think, I thought he lined them up. I know I hate when people make a meal of it, but I would have yeah. probably just set out the line and given them the red. No, it's so honest. dangerous, like, in fairness, yeah. Yeah, he just lined them up. Crazy. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, how do you think Leinster will do in the semi-final? They can't be stopped, really, can they? It's Bulls going up. Bulls at home. They'll the Bulls in the already, and well... Probably be in the RDS, or I don't know whether they use the Aviva or the RDS of themselves. Yeah. I'd say the RDS because I think the crowds weren't great yesterday. And it's less than 10k already, there, uh, I think. They've already beaten them 31-3. I don't see them. I think it'll be a more competitive game, but I don't see, see they, them. See, all the fancy, they spent all their money on Heineken Cup Champions 2022, yeah. like so they were buying all their jerseys and their flowers. I'm probably buying new drinks last week and all the interest. Well, you know, I was looking after them. They good like that. Me, you know, <laughs> no, but in fairness, like you can appreciate the fact that they a, did, a lot of them did travel over yeah. to Marseille, so it's straight off the back of that. You know, the, the, it's, Bank holiday. Marseille wasn't cheap, necessarily. It was, it was eight or nine quid for a point over there. Like, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd say they're all fairly... You weren't paying for anything, lad. You were all for a drink. Well, yeah. France well looked after it. Thank yeah. you, thank Running you. Running around getting photos at all the goals. Appreciate it, BT. Thanks, lads. <laughs> if, you, if you uploaded another photo with another rugby legend, like, it's going to be sick. It was a good crack. But, uh, I loved your media last week. Yeah, it was class. Yeah, did you met Roger as well, were you? Were you chatting? I did after the, after the match. Uh, Roger done a groin and stuff like so. He's a good form, obviously. They're all a great form. Same, same I've never just, seen yeah. him smile as much in a week of media reviews. Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah, so yeah. that like that's that the the clip they showed on BT of him coming down the steps after the foil and he's stopping and he's like hugging his his wife and his kids and all his people and like you're just like that is the happiest I've seen like Ron McGarrett because he, he's such a serious character yeah. and he's just like oh, and I just want to even go. It just shows what a coach can do for a team. You know, La Rochelle have they ever featured in Europe like up to when Raj no, came in? Really. They, like they might have been in the mix once or twice, but Raj comes in, make the final, they make the final of. Uh, they were in final last year, so, the European yeah. final last year and now they're after winning and it just shows you get the right coach in with the right mentality who builds the right environment and uh, you can produce the goods yeah. and 
even reading Roger's articles in the papers. Did you ever read his articles in the papers? Couple like, times, yeah. yeah, he's very good. After you finish reading them, you, you actually want to go out and play for him. Like, you're like, this fella, <laughs> everything, you're, you know, it's just gold. Like, and you're, yeah. You can just picture him in front of the squad, giving the speed and getting him motivated. And you're like, ah, oh, that's, that's the fella I want to play for. Yeah. He said it when he, in the, the pre-match press conference, the first two things he said when he got there, like, was he's trying to explain to the players, you have no idea how much this competition means to you coming from Munster. Yeah. And they were just kind of like, after a few years, he said, he said, now they finally see what this crazy Irish man was talking about. Because it, that's the way I was, I was growing in this competition. And he said, the second thing then is with the first when I first got here, because La Rochelle had a lot of money before he came in and they were bringing all these players in. And he stopped that and he started bringing players up, French players, which is how, why France is successful across the board now. They've yes. gone back to their academies. They've won two 20s World Cups or whatever, Junior World Cups the last few years. They just won their first Grand Slam in 10 years. He was like, I want to build this club around the people from the area and the players from the area. Which mm. is why Munster was so successful in the past, because like, he's using the successful Munster blueprint. Yeah, it's just a pity he can't bring it back here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say Munster are only gagging to get him back as DOR. Uh, I don't think, I, I don't think, think he's, he's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah, well, he, I think he's gone too big for Munster, unfortunately. But the thing with Rod, he's kind of sad. I'd love to talk to him on like a private basis, because when he retired, he mm. got no send-off. It was like, oh, he was just gone. Remember that kick against Scotland where he oh, did a crap awesome. crossfield? Then he was just gone. And then I think Bod retired the next year. There's a big parade. <laughs> Dublin, it's probably still going on. Remember the like, thing coming out from the stadium <laughs> and everything. And I'm just like, <laughs> we what about Raj? It's like, Bod has a lot to thank for Raj for everything that went on. Ah. And then he went away to Crusaders quietly, started coaching down there, Racing quietly, La Rochelle, now we have to win in the European Cup. And now everyone's hullabaloo about Raj. It's like, mm. do you care about him when he retired? Like, no. Yeah. I'd, love, like I'd love to know, is he a bit bitter? Sport like. is a cruel, like, cruel world. You know that yourself. Like, you were to retire young, like, no matter, like, you're, you're easily forgotten about no matter what level yeah. you play at. Like, even for someone like Ron Nagara, just go, yeah, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are, it's just yeah. the way sport works, unfortunately. Yeah, you're it? right, it happened very quick. And even with Munster, we all normally have an end of the season. When, when Roger retired, I think it was 2013, because I was only just coming in just coming as in, a yeah. senior player, um, I think they played, was it Claremont they played, and that was his last yeah. game. I think he never told anyone, did he? Just kind of said it after away, And that was it, like he would, we're still, I think, I think we still have some of the league or something left in the season, but that was kind of last year's he season. Was he wasn't there for the kind of end of the season yeah. wrap up. Um, He's top. Point scorer for Ireland and everything like, and yeah. he was just gone in one day, gone the next, yeah. and no one said anything. Yeah. So, but yeah, he went after Racing. But I think out of Crusaders first, he speaks of yeah. was a Crusaders. He's yeah, the way he speaks of uh, Scott Robinson and Crusaders, and I'd say so. It kind of seems like he's yeah. learned most of what he's doing now off. Uh, after those guys, after those guys, he's fairly there, put in so. his work, hasn't he? The last couple of years, like, yeah. like it makes sense that he is yeah. where he is now, just yeah. learning his trade. Mm. I think yeah. a big thing people forget as well. I was at the the European Player of the Year kind of awards thing, the, the morning of the match, and they were going through the history of it and stuff. When they first brought the award out, so I think it was 2011 or 2012, he was voted the best player because they wanted to do a one, when they, when they first awarded the award, the competition was on for like 10 or 15 years, like who's been the best player over the last 10, 15 years, and Agarra won that. Oh, really? Do you know what I mean? So that's how that's highly massive. regarded he was then at the time, like to be, you were the best player in Europe over the last decade or so. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's Not crazy. just for the year, like... So that's how, like, yeah. you know, and he's obviously transformed that into become uh, one of the best coaches in the world. Yeah. He's probably the hottest coach in the world at the moment. I don't think there's a club, a name club your, or country yeah. that would turn down on Name your price, like, you name go your anywhere. Price. That's it, name you win price. a European Cup and your value just goes through the roof. <laughs> that's so. it. To do it so quickly, don't to do it in the manner he did it, like, as in, he had a COVID-riddled season and then he had kind of his first proper full season. He got to the top 14 final in Champions Cup final and lost both of them narrowly. And then his second real season in charge, he goes on and wins it. And they're still in, they're still in contention for the top 14 as well, so he could. And actually, with, like I know you were saying like, a lot of the last fans, oh, we'll win them. The only thing I was thinking was, 
Lancer were so bitter about losing in the semi-final last year to La Rochelle. Mm. I was like, oh, they're going to mentally have one up on them. Yeah. So for Raj to get it right even further, which we were saying, I was like, oh, I hate you for that. It was like a game of chess. I could see him just, you know, yeah, having yeah. everything ready. But I also think he's a man. He won't leave them. I think he'll just no. keep building the dynasty that he's created. You don't think he'll come home, no? Not, uh, he, not in the state months no, in, I'm sorry. He said they're only getting started, so I presume he's going to be there for yeah. another few years. Yeah. yeah so it's it's inevitably he will come home, but it's, it's going, as you said, it'll be a few years. He will, because I think he loves Ireland. He's, like, a, he's, a, very, man, he's like. a very proud Irishman. Mm. He loves Munster, he loves Ireland. He will, but he's yeah. in no rush whatsoever. He's in no rush. Yeah. If you're time in your coaching career, like international coaching seems to be the, not the cushiest, no, but like you've only 10 games, you're not on the road every week as you are with a province. So, like, if you did come back to. Yeah. And one story for your four or five years, and then you coach an international team, but that's you out yeah. till. That's you done then, really. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, so he's, he might be timing it perfectly. Yeah. He's delighted living over in France. That's it. That's it. We'll move on, like we could talk about Agara all day, like we could do a full podcast, that'd be so interesting. But uh, yeah. we've got some fan questions to run. Not yes. too serious now, these are grand. We, we haven't prepped them this week, not so, but they're all right, they're fine. <laughs> right, um, so first one up is, um, as most of our listeners would know, you had to retire early because of injury. How was the transition from rugby into the non-premier, especially when he like, was taken away from you, when you weren't ready to go? Yeah, uh, I suppose when I, when I finally made the decision, it was like a weight off my shoulders because I was struggling with injury for the bones of 18 months to two years. Trying to get, I, I think I played two games in, in that space of time. Um, but then when you when I fit, initially retired I suppose the six, first six months were kind of like a bit of a novelty or this is great and you got a nice little send off and um, and it was probably after the six month period we were kind of like oh Jesus uh, what am I doing now you kind of as you said you get forgetting about really fast <laughs> and I'm okay with that but my kind of attitude now is like I've been there I've done that and you kind of look forward to like the words of my oyster now I can kind of what, what avenue am I going to go down or what way do I want to go now mm. so you know it's exciting times now but uh, I suppose that kind of after six months you're there's a little uh, period there where you're wondering, oh, Jesus, what way is this going to go? And, yeah. yeah. And you, did you find it hard transitioning? You did. Like, mentally, yeah. I know I retired last August and I found it very hard to transition and get away from the structure of training every single day. Oh, yeah, I need structure. Like, that's yeah. why I'm, like, I'm institutionalised now at this stage. I just need, uh, I need like, I'm sorry, I need to be told what, what to wear every day, what colour t-shirt. Sure, your do missus does that for you now, too. Yeah, at this stage, yeah, but... Uh, I do miss it and I need, I, I kind of strive in that structure so I try and create a very good routine every every week and every day and plan out my day as I would but mm. I have no game so I'm kind of, there's this massive void <laughs> where I'm like, oh Jesus, I need to fill this here. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I do a lot of, I still train a lot. The one thing I chatted to everyone who retired is like, oh, I stopped training and I started kind of, yeah. Maybe I have a couple of glasses of wine midweek and I feel like shit and then yeah. starts, you go down this kind of spiral, you know. So What do you do for training now? I do a lot of CrossFit, so I do CrossFit uh, nice. every day, an hour in and out. Class. I go in, I told what to do, my leave. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes, right? Yeah, ticks all the boxes. Yeah, well, like you're coaching with Gary Owen now, and yeah. is that what you always wanted to do? I know you came in and did a bit of coaching with my sevens team as well when I was in there. Yeah. You're with Gary Owen now, is that what you always wanted to do? Uh, it's not, no. And but as I said, when when you're not playing rugby you have this void mm. and yeah. uh, you know, Gary Owen approached me and I went in, I was a little bit unsure when I went in and I absolutely love it. Class. It like fills the perfect the whole like you when you're a, when you're a player you're kinda of nervous for the first five minutes of a game when you're a coach you're on edge for the whole 80 minutes and it's, it's like real life championship manager basically you're picking your team and you're you're, you're putting the lads out there so yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, fellas say that um, coaching requires more time than playing because you're taking care of a full squad like did you find that and doing analysis again there's, and there's so much there even at club level like this is, this is AIL level there's a huge amount there and I can only imagine 
if yeah. you're doing professional coaching, the, yeah. the level of detail and stuff you have to get through was... It's a full-time gig, like, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're loving yeah. it, though. Oh, it's class, yeah, yeah, no, it's class, I love it. Um, I just love being back in the change room with the lads, yeah. um, you know, it's still a good age profile, I'm only 33, yeah. like, and, like, you know, yeah. still have to crack with them, we still go drink. <laughs> <laughs> and any so, age to go back playing? Like, <laughs> Can oh, you? we were kind of stuck for backs there at one stage, and I was like, will I do it? And uh, I was like, no, no, I'm not. It's not worth the risk. Yeah, no. Mike Sherry is coaching with me as well. Yeah. Oh, Peter Malone's oh, there. Nice. There's been a real resurgence as well the last last couple of years in the L, isn't there? Like it's really starting to grow again. Like because it died there for a long time, and last couple of years it's getting good again. It's getting interesting. It's getting crowds back. It is, yeah, yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, it's getting dominated again by the Dublin teams, the Terranors, Lansdowns, Clontarf, Clontarf, who obviously won it. You know, um, so uh, we're not too far off. Them. It's yeah. just again, it's, it's personnel that's trying to get numbers. You've Shannon now who got promoted yeah, back up. That's but that's gonna draw a great crowd. Limerick like to have Shannon and Gary Owen back in the air playing each other yeah. Yeah. Water, And just, when this man puts back on his oh. We get the two of you back out playing so I haven't got the call. I have I got plenty of calls. All the other is like yeah, trying to make it happen, but like Shannon are ringing everyone. I'm kinda half thinking about like, you know what? I'm just happy what I'm doing now. If you go back, I'm gonna have to go back. But just going out to Kuna on a Thursday evening, like in November, I'm like, oh I'll be standing in the wing freezing. I know. you know, getting knocked over by 120 kg fellas? Like, oh just not. Yeah, you're not ready yet. I'm just not. I might go play a bit of Invitational Sevens in the sun or something. Yeah. yeah. Get you involved in that. Like. There you go, lads. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know this man isn't too tough for weather conditions, but who is the toughest opponent that you have ever faced? The toughest? Mm. Oh, That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I, one of the hardest fellas I've come across, Jean Dazel, remember he arrived, I think Grassy oh, yeah. brought him in for, I think it was like a six-month period. Yeah. He was a back row from South Africa, and mm. he was as tough as nails. <laughs> like, so hard and lovely fella. Um, I, th I saw him knock out the same person twice in one game. I don't know how the fellow was still on the pitch <laughs> in two carries. Um, I think against Glasgow, I don't know, is their, their first centre. But um, yes, he, he was a hard man. And Yako Taus, who, who came yeah. in the centre, um, he, he, was, he was a tough boy as well. Yeah, I remember him playing uh, with broken ribs, but this, that, and the other. And he was just, his attitude was phenomenal. I'll never forget the story about him. It's probably a bit rude to say in the podcast, but I've already started the story. <laughs> is that he was playing before coming to Munster, and uh, he got one of his testicles popped in a game. So yeah. now he only has one testicle, but he kept playing on in the game, and he popped his balls. Like that is a tough. I, I guy. saw that happen at a blitz out in Shannon years ago. I saw actually get torn and oh, pop stop, out. man. Yeah, oh I remember him telling the story. I, I can't remember in detail because he's like, what? Like, this, <laughs> I want to know. Even whether he's, is, are you telling the truth or no? <laughs> Give us a look. We see it. Yeah. Oh, he's just told it so casually as well, which is mad. He probably had it in a case to show yeah. you that. Yeah, oh, yeah. South Africans are built different, man, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Why, we keep, that's, why, we, that's why we keep signing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, next one up is, uh, you mentioned you, you played under five different head coaches alone at Munster, like obviously plus your coaches in LA and schools and whatnot. And, so that means five head coaches plus five different backroom teams. Yeah. Who would you rate as the best coach you've ever played under? That's a tough one now. Oh, um, as like a technical coach, I say it'd be Jacques Nain, whereas defence coach, definitely, like he was just phenomenal, like the stuff and the detail. And just because I, my, my defence was iffy, like as a professional player, I was okay. A lot of the time I was kind of hedging my bets and going off oh, and making reads and sometimes getting away with it and sometimes not. But under Jacques, like I've become very specific. And I had good cues and how and what I was doing in D and I was reading defences better and uh, I suppose my game commanded more. And then with Felix Jones there, obviously I had the luxury of him being a, a winger or a back three player 
Um, so my aerial game came on huge. So a combination of both kind of turned me into a good player. And then, like I probably, when I started under twenties level, Axel was our was our coach. Like he was our my first ever kind of proper coach when things started to get serious at Munster twenties level. And uh, then went into the A team, and he was the A coach. Then he moved into more Munster fours coach. So he was kind of with me all the whole like way. That. And there was times where. And things didn't look great, you know yourself when you're coming to an academy and you're like, oh, will I get a contract or yeah. things are getting a little bit dodgy. Um, Axel always had my back, you know, and he he always kind of gave me the benefit of the doubt if I had an injury mm. or just had the other. And uh, I suppose I, I'm not sure if I would have progressed and played at Munster as often as I did if it wasn't for him as well. So just a couple of combinations yeah. there that helped along the way, but yeah, a bit of luck too. So yeah. <laughs> It's some who's who of coaches we take when you look back. I was thinking, I pinch yourself, go like, I mean, I played under the likes of like, you know, Foley, probably one of the greatest players and to ever play for Munster and that's who legend of the game Erasmus has gone on to win World Cups and Ina Barr who's rated who's now the head coach of the box you're like I got to, to play under all these coaches yeah, yeah. it's classic yeah. Like. yeah yeah so Jock technically probably was the best but like they all had their own little their own little way of doing things which was excellent and I suppose as me going in now as a coach with, at A level I'm trying to kind of take pieces of each of them and say mm. okay this worked really well and this did and this didn't and, and you know, you're trying to formulate or cultivate your own way of doing things in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. And Axel was so good for taking care of his homegrown players. Like he was so similar to you yeah. with me. He so I didn't make the Irish twenty World Cup team. I played in the Six Nations, broke my face, and I wasn't available to be selected for the World Cup. And that's obviously down because you want to go to the twenties World Cup, that's what kind of gets you into the Munster squad. And I met with him with Axel and he was like don't worry lad I got you he was like I got you you're coming into the senior squad I have you like said that to me personally so I went and enjoyed my summer I was like oh, no, right. like, he has me sorted that summer I went away I was in an accident lacerated my Achilles remember, tendon yeah. do you remember that? off the bike, off the bike. Yeah. came home and like when you lacerate your Achilles tendon like your your leg is null and void yeah. it's gone like it's worse than rupturing because it's completely severed Yeah. came in I was on the physio bed and Axel strolls into the physio room and he just comes over digs me in the arm he's like you fucked it man and he just like you fucked it, and he, and he was just that's it, and then he just walked back out again, and I was like, oh, heartbroken, like fuck, do you know what I mean? But the very was just so honest, like yeah, yeah. 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 But I suppose that's something we can look at, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Like if yeah. you had someone like Foley, you said there, you put the arm around you, the arm around you. In the last few years, if Munster had an area that needed filling, they go to the market, they bring in their 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 diesels and their jackot out there short term from South Africa or whatever. Mm. Now that you're going to have Levy inside there and Prendy, and then you've got someone like Coslo in the academy, they can turn around their own tree and go, hold on a second, like I've got a fella here, I've got a fella here. I think Greg can take that spot. I think Ronnie can take that spot. I think that doesn't happen as much in Munster the last few years. Yeah. So let's go straight to the market, let's get someone in. Yeah. Because they don't trust them, definitely. because they're not there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. What Axel did really well in Munster was he'd handpicked the best AL lads, or, or where they're kind of, not always but like where they were short say they needed a hooker they'd bring in a hooker and they'd bring them in for the summer and see what they got on mm. and if they went well then they get a training contract and they'd be involved for the year and they've yeah. you know they, they have yeah. a, an extra avenue to become a professional athlete like a yeah. like a, a backdoor pass say but, uh, like the time with bringing Dermot McCarthy in yeah remember yeah, that like yeah. the story with Dermot McCarthy yeah, yeah, yeah you were in his Castle Troy team yeah. right he was an unbelievable player like he was yeah. up there with Earlsy how good he was and then he obviously went kind of down the wrong path yeah yeah and Axel brought him back in and gave him another training contract and he was unbelievable. Yeah, brought him like, back in a few times. A couple of times yeah. brought him back in, like just taking yeah. care of the homegrown fellas. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out now in the end, like, but just such a good guy, like, wasn't he? Yeah, he was excellent for that. And I suppose yeah. that's what we might get now with, with Leamy and Prendy coming back involved, that you you know, mm. you're, you're lads and your local lads who you want to bring through. Uh, as you said, Leinster, 95% of them from <laughs> Leinster. Yeah. Um, and, Nuts. you know, from, from my time growing up in Munster, it was always, uh, the Munster team was always full of Munster players, but yeah. they had maybe five or six 
well, world-class internationals, you know, mm. speckling amongst that who bought into the culture. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think we should be buying in foreign squad players anymore. Yeah, peppering it with, like, yeah. the Doug Howlitts. Yeah, I think it's fine to bring in, like, a, I know you don't like Fekitoa, I think it's fine yeah. to bring in someone like a Fekitoa, but when you're bringing in these little stopgap guys for three, six months, guys like Jenkins there, like, I'm sure we could have found someone else there yeah. in the academy that could have got the game time the Jenkins got. 100%. Mm. Yeah. Do you know, I don't understand that. Like, but see, don't. they don't buy into the culture, like, same with Eason Asewa, he bought into the Lancer culture, so he was able to just mm. be one of the boys and, and you know yourselves as players then there's no hiding place so yeah. you're on a 6 or 12 month deal like, how are you going to buy into a contract with a 6 or 12 no. month deal yeah. and you, and you know you're only a stopgap like, you know mm. you're only here for the year because this fella's injured yeah. and that's it or until this other fella comes yeah. it's, and it's as a player you know this fella's coming in just to pick up a handy few quid for 6 months yeah he doesn't yeah. care that are you do coming for, for 2 years and buying into it or are you yeah yeah exactly I just feel like Munster don't need another centre like there's enough guys sitting around there I think Munster need to go put money into their front row so I think the lads are great they've done their thing but I think we just need a fresh resurgence of some front rows what do you think? yeah I know like there's obviously lads coming through but like um, they definitely need John Ryan's obviously moving on to Wass mm. as well there's going to be a, a bit of a void there I can see him buying in another front row Yeah. Um, maybe another hooker as well I think there's a young hooker coming in from um, there is for, he's, with, he's with Exeter or something like that he's Exeter, an English guy yeah, coming yeah. in like so yeah. We have, we've got to, Buckley I think should be given a chance there at Hooker as well we miss Killer a big time because when Killer's gone you're kind of you're, yeah. you're very very sharp but uh, what's his name Witcherly looks like a fine player if he gets more game time yeah. your man Knox is there mm-hmm. I don't see the point of constantly I mean he does not want to drop Stephen Archer <laughs> Stephen Archer just plays every single game when like he doesn't seem to give Knox a chance I, I don't rate Stephen Archer I don't know how he's still there to be honest with you I think we could get I mean, we're not going to win anything with Stephen Archer or tight head like, and it's no insult to the man I just don't think I think we need a much better tight end there and if you've got someone at Knox there where everyone's talking about her there, maybe there's more young tight ends in there there's could be, could be tight ends at Gary Owen I don't know about or other clubs yeah. that, that should be brought in and given game time instead of just rolling them out every bloody week yeah. like Nanam, it's just the it. contrast of the Munster front row compared to Leinster who have your Kellehers and Porters mm. and Healy's who are so dynamic and the Munster guys are good but they're just nowhere near the dynamism that the Leinster guys have like, you know? no because looking at Porter like I've just seen the shape he's in over the last kind of two years like he's in phenomenal shape he's like he's now fit he's in the loose he's now turning over ball but like the thing about obviously being a loose head first and foremost is which is I was a more mobile aggressive mm. wanted to be on ball but if I wasn't doing my job for set piece line out and forget about scrum, it, yeah. forget it. So yeah. Yeah. it's a hard place to fill with, like again, the game has moved on. So you do want nearly, again, kind of promoting back row, mm. like at club level into your front row. So yeah. they're more mobile. You need two front rows as well, don't you? 100%. You need two front rows as because yeah. like, generally like your front row comes off 55, 50, 60 minutes. Some some teams are starting to take their front rows off at half time. Like, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I know Rassi kind of brought that thing in, but... Rassi's Bomb got squad. an unbelievable well, selection of front nose to bring on, but you see Leinster can do that now as well. And a lot of the big European teams are able to just go sh- bang, yeah. and the quality doesn't drop. Sometimes the quality goes up off the ba- off the bench. Yeah, Ala Ala come on, and I think he's done well. Like he's starting to. I'd love. To, I can't wait to kind of see him next season when he's yeah. this season under his belt. But 100%. yeah, I think like Kelleher, she and like they're so dynamic. They're yeah. loose. They're explosive. And we haven't even mentioned for long, but we'd one more question yeah. for you, lad, um, before yeah. we get back into the rugby. So you played for Munster for years. You played Heineken Cups. You played loads of different games. I actually specifically remember you playing against the Maoris. So I want to ask you what's your favourite memory looking back in Munster. Um, favourite memory. Uh, there's like there's like a handful that are all amazing. Uh, as you mentioned there, the Maori game that was probably one of the best games to be in, I was ever involved in. Yeah. Um, just given the fact uh, uh, Rassi was everything that happened with Axel and Rassi had just taken over and uh, to kind of 
the toss around the squad and what we're what they were feeding down to us is all oh, we're going to play mostly academy team we'll give you all a rest and then I think a couple of senior players went to him and was like well, I want to play I come to Thorn Park it's sold out like you need to and then like within within like two minutes the whole thing just flipped and it was like we're going after him and yeah. uh, that whole week and the build up and we had a couple of days off after so we all went on the booze for three or four days after it and that I suppose those ten days between the Maori game and after it were, were phenomenal. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's class. That's your favourite one, you'd say. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, just facing the hack and Tom Park because I remember being uh, when Tom Park first opened and um, the Kiwis came and Munster played them. I think the last was Rakakoka scored. Shoy, yeah, they had to show you the very. I think Rakakoka yeah. scored in the very end. Barry but I remember being in the one. crowd at that match. And I've never heard Tom Park so loud. It was incredible. And I was like, I was nearly silent going home. And I was like, that, I just wanted to be part of that. That was just so class. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the fact I was on the pitch a couple of years later, facing on the hack, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, it all just came back to me in the moment. Like, and pinch yourself kind of a thing. Like, yeah. So I, oh. I was in the crowd for both. Like, so I can't imagine, like, yeah. I was in the crowd in that match you were talking about. Then I was in the crowd for the one you were playing in. And it was just as... It was, it was the exact same thing. Yeah. It was the same feeling like to be, to be there. So you were literally in the exact same game a few years later. Like it's yeah, that's mad. It was like, crazy. It's, like, yeah. it's one of those fairy tale kind of things, isn't yeah, it? Isn't yeah, yeah. So like that was just a kind of yeah a moment where I was just thinking to myself, even face that, I was like, Jesus, I can't <laughs> believe I actually got here because the chances are yeah are slim. Joe are slim yeah. like to, to do it. That's class. And then you have what twenty one? I think you twenty one tries. Yeah, twenty one tries. Do you have a favorite one you can think back to? Um, you scored some good ones. I remember you were so good, man. I'd, uh, we were chatting just off air, uh, coming in around rocks and just yeah. sliding in and getting little inside balls and stuff. And I remember I was in the academy when Ronan was in the senior team, and we were literally told you need to be more like Ronan, man. <laughs> Everyone needs to see what Ronan's doing. You need to do that. Yeah. And like no one could do it like you did. It, like. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, it became a little a little art of mine, but uh, yeah. the, the dark arts of a winger. Yeah, we never <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you scored a couple of tries off that. Can you yeah, remember? I did. Yeah, yeah, and it's just having a good connection with your own. But it's, it's just been able to show up, like because as the game progresses, sixty as we talked about there, you know we're bringing the front rows off because they might be getting tired or the, mm-hmm. the back rows um, and it's when players get tired when you're kind of deep in the game that's when I start hunting when I'm looking back at the game I don't look at my moments I look at all the moments I missed you know so mm-hmm. you just got to be incredibly fit um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time you see lads doing extras after training and my extras sometimes were just fitness I just do I just run and run because I knew the fitter I was the more times I could get on the ball and the more times I could mm-hmm. show up and I just if I keep showing up and keep showing up I'll eventually go through a hole yeah. that's uh yeah, so I, and then you kind of, as you develop your game, you start finding little things. Like I used to follow the, refer- the referees are unbelievable, like in into sport positions. So like, if you ever watch a match, I know this sounds a bit mad, but the referees run unbelievable sport lines because they have to always preempt the play and get in good positions. So I used to follow, I used to follow the referee around the pitch. But if you watch the refs, they, like if there's a line break, the referee will always be on the inside. Yeah. If he was a player, he'd be able to catch a pass. So if you follow the referee, he will get you in a good. Off his support line, so I kind of that's where I started, and then very clever way. Look at I see young players come up like they got that follow the referee around, yeah. Yeah. hiding rocks and follow the referee around. Yeah, yeah, follow a good referee around. You're going to be staring into a rock like this. You still haven't given me your favorite try. Oh, my favorite try. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Chuck. Did you score against the Maoris? I scored against the Maoris, yeah, yeah, it was class, yeah, yeah, it was a good idea. Two or three, I thought I nearly got one in the first half. Second half, nearly got one early doors, and then uh, I think they tried to clear our lines and Dunk put a little. 
I think their whole uh, all the defensive team are up and don't put a little chip kick over. I barely on side. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't call that back. Uh, got it down, yeah. That was, was, savage oh, man, that was yeah, a good one. Savage, yeah. Yeah. I remember that, alright. It was sick. Great stuff, great stuff. So look, we'll move on to we won't spend too much time on the other two quarterfinals because we went to in such depth there with the Irish team. Um, but uh first up was uh Stormers versus Edinburgh. We all call that Stormers have been really good second half of the season. I think they're the strongest of the South African franchises. Edinburgh, up and down kind of a season. 28-17 win for the home side, so that means poor Ulster now have to go to South Africa to take on the Stormers, which is not as good as Ulster were against Munster. No one, you do not want to take on the Stormers in, in South Africa, I don't think so. That's going to be a tricky for everyone. Yeah, it's a pity they're going away. They, they were good, um, like you said, that the better they've been building nicely and they have their pick of... Uh, some Springboks international, so if they yeah. come with full confidence, exactly. I don't exactly. see um, it being a good day for Ulster. But I think if they can carry the form and get over all the travel and get over the physicality, and like Ulster had two good performances down South Africa, but they shot mm-hmm. themselves in the foot with ill discipline and kind of just being switched off. They did this little try that would have won them the game. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. I hope it's a cracker. Yeah, I think they land down there, Ronan, travelling to South Africa for a semi. Uh, I, I would like to play any team in South Africa, <laughs> especially at this stage in the competition. Yeah. It's mm. just, uh, you know, I, I, I actually haven't played there myself, but I, from speaking to the lads, it's just, it's, it's a different environment, it's a different game. Um, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't like to be known. No, I'd be that, surprised if they, if they do if they do a job, then yeah. I'd be very surprised. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a surprising result in the other game. Like, I mean, I've, I've yeah. like I said it last week. We, we all thought the Sharks were going to win that game. It's Khaleesi and Mbappé and all the boys. Like, they are literally how many box they have in their team. I didn't expect them to lose. There's the nuts. Yeah, the Bulls won at home, thirty points to twenty-seven with a last last minute drop goal. It was eighty-third yeah. minute or something. Yeah. yeah, they're about to go into extra time and then he slots it. Uh, it's good drop. Great game. Great game. It's a good kick because he, he, get it. Because like, what happened was, so basically, the Bulls were leading by seven points, and then the Sharks got a try in with like about eight minutes to go, and then it was all Sharks, and then it was penalty here, penalty there, and no one really took it. And then eventually they get it on the line. They're literally, it took them so long. They're literally five meters from the line in front of the post. And I was like, oh my god, will someone get in the pocket? Will someone get in the pocket before <laughs> you knock it on? And like everyone knew it was coming, so he got charged down by what eight players, mm. and they're in his face, and he has to kick it high. And he just gets it up in between like the four sets of arms, like and the ball yeah. goes up, like. But it, it's a good big win, like, and yeah, it's, a that's big a big win. moment for him. But it is, yeah. All the home teams won, I think, in their yeah. quarterfinals. So it says a lot about the home fixtures, like. So we yeah. presume Stormers are going to win. Leinster are obviously going to win. Are we thinking Leinster Stormers final? Yeah, I think it could it could be like Stormers might take a, a Lee Fowl La Rochelle's book and really just smother Leinster. You know, like I could see that happening, but. Let's get by the semi-finals first. Ah, jeez. You're not throwing yourself <laughs> into the no, final yet? No, I'm not. After scoring 76 points. No, I won't rub it. I won't rub it in for you, boys. It's not boring. Do you get the Bulls a chance in the RDS now or in, in Viva, no? <laughs> uh, oh, again, like they're travelling to it's, it's probably the same for them. Going. We don't want to be going to Ireland. We want to stay in, stay in South Africa. So, uh, you know. And Leinster of all teams. Like, you, wouldn't mind, you wouldn't mind coming to Tone yeah. Park or to Sports oh. Ground or to Kingspan. You might give yourself a chance yeah, kicking on Leinster at home. Okay, it looks like whoever has a home advantage now is going to be. Um, yeah. Right, Leinster have a home final then as well. Like the to final. Get whoever finishes well. first, yeah, gets the final. We'll so. give him the trophy now. Let's think, you know. <laughs> Bitter much? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have a great day out, don't you worry. <laughs> um, we'll move on, so, and we'll uh, finish up with some pretty big rugby news. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but we weren't sure because. I know they made a big announcement like, and they probably pretended this didn't happen but originally they weren't going to let the South African teams 
they weren't going to be in a position to qualify till next year. The NBL is with competition the year after, but yeah. obviously they've changed their mind. So they, all four teams that are in the URC are going to be in the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup next season, plus the Cheetahs. So you've got the, the Bulls, the Stormers and the Sharks are going to be in the Champions Cup next year. The Lions are going to be in Championship Cup and they're after inviting the Cheetahs in, who we'd all remember from yes. the Pro 14 a few years back. So what do, you, what do you make that run? I mean, do you think that's good for the competition to have these African franchises in Europe or is it kind of like it's not a European competition anymore? Yeah, like some it's still the European Champions Cup. I'm not sure. Is it champions, is it just Champions Cup? Uh, I presume it would be, yeah. I suppose, look, I suppose the, having them in the league was kind of a teaser to see how they shape up or how they get on in in playing against um, European teams, I suppose. And... Uh, They've done pretty well, given the fact four of them are in the knockout stages so far. They'll definitely probably make it more competitive, but again, just, I don't know how it's all going to work. Like, do you go down? If they're in your pool, you have to go to Safka for a week and come mm. back. Um, it's going to be a tough ask. You're going to have, want to have big squads, like, as you talked about, Leinster have a big squad. You're going to be playing one team down in Safka, you're going to be playing another team back in Ireland. Um, I'd say that's the way it's going to be going. Yeah, it's going to be some amount of games. I don't know yeah. they're going to run the pools. I'd be worried about the whole... Um, I, I'm not worried about them coming in. I do think, as you said, it'll add to the competition. It'll make more interesting, it'll make more competitive. What I'm worried about is the fact that, OK, yeah, say you've got Munster and they've got bloody, say, Stormers in their group and you've got a nice big packed house. And sometimes you do just two games on, two games off kind of thing. Like You've got uh, you're a nice home game against, we'll say, Watts in, in Toma Park on, on Saturday and then the following week here in South Africa. Like generally, if there's a match on in England or if there's a match up, up the country or something, Munster fans will travel to it. And it's a weekend away. I mean, now they're expected to go to South Africa. And like South African teams over the last few years have shown that they don't fill their stadiums at all compared to over here. Mm. So are we going to have European games with no fans at them? That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. That's yeah, not good luck. Yeah. Like, and that's the whole point of like, uh, rugby is always, will always be, it's still a niche sport. Like, Champions Cup games, even even England's English stadiums who aren't very good at filling their stadiums in rugby, mm. they're always full. Yeah, European games are always full. Leinster versus Toulouse in the semi-final there a couple of weeks ago in the Viva, they didn't even pack that out. Yeah. Which is mad to see. Like, oh, they still had 40-something or 50,000 at it. Like, still had a good half, but yeah. You know, they still had 40-something yeah. thousand. See, that's a big stadium. You have to remember that as well. Like, Aviva isn't like, I mean, Tone Park only holds 26,000. 26, yeah. Aviva is actually our national stadium that they use, like, which they sneak into every now and then to get their home advantage. <laughs> that's a 55,000-seater stadium. Like, yeah. it's a, you know, that's a stadium that's used for filling international games. Mm. And there's still three quarters filling it for a club game, which I think is still. Yeah, they really fill the RDS every day of the week, it's once to like for those kind of games. Like, exactly, yeah. Well, it kind of mixes it up a bit the South African guys getting involved in the Champions Cup. It's going to be even tougher doing now again. I wonder what the French teams think of that. Like, they won't be too happy to have them go to South Africa. Yeah, well, yeah. obviously, they had to agree to it, like, because they're all in codes together, they're all working together, and yeah. they, have, they always say that the English and the French hold all the power, like, but I wouldn't have thought the English and French would appreciate them coming in, so. They must not hold the bar <laughs> as much yeah. as we thought because mm. you would have thought that would have been the, the, the URC clubs that have got them in there. So yeah. Then again, would the URC clubs, are they necessarily going to be because it's less less spots in the Champions Cup now for... like There's going to be more South African teams in the Champions Cup next year than there will be Italian, Welsh and Scottish combined. But they're the three... Combined? Five. Yeah, sure, like none of the Welsh teams. Like oh, one, they one didn't three. qualify. Yeah, so none of them qualified. So there's more South African teams than there is of all the combined. But it just highlights how poor those three kind of... Yeah. You know, national teams have been, but is this going to deter them even more and put them in more turmoil? Oh. Then you kind of have to look at where do players get a rest in that window mm. if they're international? Like, like we look at Gary Ringrose, I'm thinking, that's a good finish considering he's had such a long season internationally, yeah. injury, European Cup games, URC games. And I know he's managed well, but like you said, now you have extra travel to South Africa. Mm. Like, I just think 
yeah, grow the game and the money, but once the money is invested right to... That's it. That's it. You know? so look, we'll leave it there at that. That's all we've got time for this week, unfortunately. Ronan, thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Best up with all your coaching yeah, and all your CrossFit and all the rest. Yeah, you're yeah, yes. brilliant. Great to have you on. And yeah. of course, a big thank you to Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Yeah.